welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. So if you need life insurance, if you're thinking about getting life insurance, definitely check out Health IQ to see if you qualify. Get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash HWS. Hey, it's always good to save money. And this is exactly what Health IQ does. They save you money on your life insurance. And who doesn't want to save money? No one. Okay. Talking about money. On this episode, I am thrilled to have as my guest, Rachel Norman. She is the founder of Better. And we'll talk about that in a second. But she is also known for creating simple products for healthcare using her tech experience and health background. She studied biochemistry and biophysics at Stanford University. She has conducted medical research at the National Institute of Health as a medical volunteer in Niger, West Africa, and is an author on multiple academic publications. Rachel has spent her career in operations at startups developing technology products that improve lives. And so today, we're talking all about better. Better is a company that, in a nutshell, helps patients get reimbursed for out-of-network claims. So as a lot of you know, I am a cash-based physical therapist here in New York City, and my patients do, at times, submit super bills so that they can get reimbursed for my services, and Better helps them do that. Now, we talk about Better in the episode, so I'm not going to go into all the details now, but what else we talk about are the basics for understanding out-of-network benefits best practices for super bill creation. I get that all the time. So if you make super bills, this is the episode for you. How to reduce the likelihood of claim denials and keeping up with modifiers, diagnosis codes, and conflicting codes. So there's a lot of reasons people may not get reimbursed and sometimes it's a conflicting code, something I learned in this uh, podcast. So a huge thank you to Rachel Norman for coming on the podcast. And again, thank you all for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you join me today. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. Sure. So as I said in the beginning, you're the co-founder of Better. So let's talk about Better for a second. Where did it come from? Give us the, give us the story. Yeah. So Better came from a couple of different places. The first is that I have lost a tremendous amount of money over the years having great benefits, but not having the time to walk out of my job during business hours, pick up the phone and call my health insurance to find out why they weren't paying out of network claims. And I knew that if I was having this problem, lots of other people must be as well. And I was actually looking for a company that was solving this and I couldn't find anything out there to take the problem away from me and to make sure I actually got my money back. So that's when I found it better. And it's also um, a really 
really exciting opportunity for me to return to working in healthcare. As an undergraduate at Stanford, I was pre-med and very excited to be a doctor. But all of the ones that I worked with were saying our, the U.S. system is such a mess. It is so difficult for them to put their patients first, give them the care that they deserve given our insurance system. And so I decided to work in technology upon graduation where I was able to solve problems a little more quickly. And that experience has been invaluable founding this company to make sure everyone can use their health benefits. Right. So you obviously had a personal connection to it. You saw a problem. There was no fix and you decided to create something to fix it. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Okay. So there are a lot of physical therapists listening here and a lot of physical therapists that are maybe starting their own business are moving to a cash-based system are out of network and would really love to be able to say to their clients, hey, if I give you this super bill, you can try and get reimbursed. So then the clients have to submit. And that's where things can get a little tricky, right? So Very much so. <laughs> yeah. So before we get to all of that, because we'll talk about the super bill in a second, let's talk about out-of-network insurance 101. So what are the basics yeah, so from the patient, and this is also very important for healthcare providers to understand, the first is going to be the patient's plan. Do they have out-of-network benefits? Are there out-of-network benefits subject to a deductible? What can they kind of expect? And so just understanding the basic policy type is a PPO or POS, the most common types to have out-of-network benefits for most care, versus an HMO or EPO, which will be much more restrictive to emergency care out-of-network. And that's a really good starting point to understand is this something filing out of network claims that's going to be effective and, and get the patient money back? Okay, so if you're the patient, or let's say if you're the therapist, do you recommend the therapist kind of giving the patient sort of a checklist to kind of check their health benefits or certain questions to ask when they call their insurance company? So that can get incredibly complicated and time consuming for the patient. And it's often the end of the conversation. You know, they can spend half an hour, an hour on hold, and then really not get all of the information that we need. So we recommend starting with um, some resources. On, a, on our blog, we have a great um, article about different plan types. That's usually on the card. So the patient can start to familiarize themselves with what type of policy they have. And then for any patient that's signed up for better at getbetter.co, if they have more detailed questions about their plan, what their deductible is, they're always welcome to reach out to us via email and we'll help them answer their specific questions and make sure that they're getting really correct answers for their situation. Got it. Because everybody's situation is different. Everybody's health insurance is different. So it's hard to have a blanket do this statement. Very much so. And it's really important to ask very specific and detailed questions that are specific to the type of care you're planning to access, how you're planning to use it to make sure that you're not being given generalizations, but you're starting to learn how the care you need is going to actually be covered. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense. So now let's get into the super bill. So I am a cash-based practice. There are a lot of cash-based practices, at least in physical therapy, kind of popping up around the country. And one of the buzzwords is the super bill. So everyone says, well, what do you, what do you give to the patient? Or you just give them a super bill. 
So what are best practices for this super bill creation? So we strongly recommend, you know, using a lightweight EHR system or practice management software for creating super bills, but you can really do it any way that works for you. A super bill, it's very much like your standard invoice that you would normally see um, anytime you buy something, but it has specific information that's required by insurance companies for processing healthcare claims. So the first is going to be the basics about your practice, name, address, phone number, the patient that you saw, their name and information, and then it gets more specific to healthcare. So you'll want the tax ID for the practice. If you're an individual healthcare provider, that's just your tax ID. If you want, you can use your social security number, and you're, if you're comfortable with that, insurers will accept that. Your NPI, if you have one, and then um, a date for every time you saw the patient the diagnosis codes and CPT codes that correspond to the care provided in physical therapy, very important to note any modifiers that might be necessary to accurately describe what that care was and how much was billed for each session. And when we're talking about the NPI and the tax ID numbers, so, uh, you know, how are there is there a way to get a tax ID number if you do not have a corporate entity? So let's say you haven't incorporated into an LLC, a PLLC, a S Corp, a C Corp, whatever. You haven't done that. You're just a sole proprietor. Can you get a tax ID so that you don't have to be yeah. putting your social security number out everywhere? Yeah. So as a sole proprietor, you can go to the IRS website and you can apply online for a tax ID number. And it's actually a very quick and easy process. Okay. Good to know. So IRS website and then apply for a tax ID if you do not have that corporate entity formed yet. Yeah. And they will just ask you as you're going through, you know, what type of entity you are and you can be a sole proprietor. Got it. Okay. Well, that sounds easier than I thought it was going to be. Okay. So let's talk about the MPI number, because this is certainly a point of confusion for a lot of people. So can you first explain what the MPI number is and what its purpose is? So the NPI number is a unique identifier for a healthcare provider. So you can kind of think about it like a social security number that's given to healthcare providers when they apply for one. And there's two kinds of them, just like there's two kinds of tax IDs. Um, There's a type one, and that's given to individual healthcare providers. And you will have that specific same type one for your entire career. And then there's a type two that's given to organizations. And those organizations can range in size from, you know, a single healthcare provider with a business, if they choose to get a type two, small practices, all the way up to your largest hospitals. And how easy or hard is it to get an MPI number? So we actually have a really great blog post on our blog at blog.getbetter.co that takes you through this step-by-step. It's an online application process. It does have a f- quite a few questions, but it doesn't take that long to get through. And then they will send you in response an NPI number. And how long does it take to get the NPI number? Do you know offhand? So they, can, they say it can take up to 30 days, but people often get them much, much more quickly. Okay, so that's good to know. And, and just for all the people that are listening, we're going to have 
all of this information on where to access the blog and, and even these specific articles on the podcast website at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com under this episode. So if you want to do like a one click straight to the blog, it'll all be there. Now, this is another question that I know I get a lot and I see a lot on different Facebook groups. And that is, do you need to have different MPIs if you're working in different places? So for instance, if you're working in a clinic and you want to start seeing patients on the side uh, as an out-of-network or as a cash-based provider, does it get a little sticky if you don't have separate MPI numbers? Yeah, so the way the type 1 NPI works per healthcare provider is that is one NPI that stays with you for your entire career. So having multiples of those would be like having multiple social security numbers. It's probably going to get messy. Um, and that's that's not how they recommend using them. The type two, however, those are for the practices. So if you're part of a practice and then you start your own or you're working somewhere else, each practice can have a separate and distinct type two to identify them. Okay. And now if I work in a clinic that is fully 100% takes all insurances, and I want to see someone on the side for cash, can I do that without the patient getting a notice from their insurance company that says I'm in network if I'm using a completely different MPI? Yeah. So we see this come up all the time when healthcare providers work at multiple places. And it's going to depend on a few things. One, it's going to depend on the contractual relationship with the insurance company, how that's structured, what the terms are, whether it's in a business name, um, whether you know, you're individually a part of it. So you'll want to look at that. And it'll also depend on you know, your relationship um, under that contract, whether you're a contractor of the practice and an employee. So it's definitely worth looking at the terms of that contract and, and understanding what, what you're able to do with it. Now, secondly, if you are able to you know, practice multiple places with how this contract is structured, the next question that's going to come up is, the insurance company being able to recognize that. And it can be difficult for insurers in their computer system to recognize that one healthcare provider essentially has multiple jobs. So we often see that the reimbursement for the claims is routed incorrectly or goes to the wrong place and can be tricky to unwind even if you used to work somewhere and they didn't get the update that you're no longer there. So in that case, making sure that the tax IDs you're using on the super bills are correct for the business you're a part of um, and making sure the insurance companies, the information in their computer system is up to date and accurate can be really helpful for trying to resolve those issues. Yeah. So I think a good tip maybe for physical therapists is if you were working in a clinic, let's say you left that job and now you've started your very own cash-based or out-of-network clinic, it might behoove you just to look back at the insurances that, that your prior clinic accepted, call those insurance companies, and just take yourself out of their system as being in-network, even though maybe you're using a brand new MPI and tax ID number, right? Exactly. And we find the weirdest things where sometimes it'll actually be 
your name is linked to the address for that old practice. And even using a new tax ID NPI, somehow they still match it up. Um, so it can be worth just checking on your records and making sure that every part of it is accurate for your current practice information. Yeah. And that doesn't take that long, people. So, you know, if you don't want to have your patients have issues when they're submitting their super bills, you know, you want to make it easy for the patient, you want to make it easy for them to get reimbursed the money that they've already paid you, then take the time one day to call maybe all previous insurance companies that you have been associated with and just ask them, hey, what paperwork or what do I have to do to uncredential myself from this insurance, right? Exactly. And at Better, this is all part of what we deal with on a daily basis. We help with all of these issues that come up and untangling old information and getting it updated when we're processing claims so they process correctly. So if you have any questions at any time, we're as a free resource for providers and we will work through the issue with you and the insurer to save you time and make sure that your information is accurate. And that's all, all things that we do free of cost because it's so important to processing claims. And now what are, let's say, your top three reasons that you guys have found for claim denials? Let's see. So I would say, um, you know, the number one issue that we are able to resolve before a claim goes to the insurance company, but it's very common, is missing information on the super bill. So it not having a tax ID, it not having a diagnosis code, not having CPT codes, or those codes being out of date and not being something that the insurance can process. The second is probably healthcare provider enrollment, where even if you're out of network, there's no contract in place, the insurance company requires a bit more information from the healthcare provider to even put them in the computer system to pay out-of-network claims. Um, and then probably the third is people that have no out-of-network benefits except in the case of an emergency, um, but they weren't aware of that. So claims not being able to be processed for those reasons. Okay, got it. So now let's go back to, so reason number one is pretty cut and dry. You don't yes. have the info on the super bill. You just put it on. Let's, can we dive a little deeper into, and obviously reason number three is pretty cut and dry. You don't have out of network benefits. You don't have out of network benefits, but let's dive deeper into reason number two. So what can clinicians do to decrease the chance of that being an issue? Yeah, so this is something that we're seeing evolve. We've seen evolve a lot over the past couple of years where more and more health insurance companies, even if they didn't require something from out-of-network providers before, are requiring it now. And, you know, on their side, this is an effort to get the information in their computer system to be accurate and to prevent fraud. But what happens is an awful lot of out-of-network claims just go unpaid because this doesn't get taken care of. And the requirements of the insurer, it can be as simple as sending in a signed W-9 to make sure that you know, you're certifying your tax ID to them all the way to a multi-page form and a picture of your driver's license. So it really depends on the insurer what the process is or if they even have one. But this is changing a lot, so it's hard to keep up on. Uh, when you're starting a new practice, I would strongly recommend 
get an understanding of what the most common insurance companies in your area are. When you start seeing patients, you'll get a sense for what insurance companies they have and get the the top handful of companies kind of reach out to them and taken care of. We do this also for free. So if you'd like the paperwork, you're having trouble getting a hold of someone, um, we can take care of getting that information to you and getting you through the submission process, doing the follow-up with the insurer to make sure that you are in their system. Um, and then, you know, being out of network, your patients could have insurance from any insurance company and there are thousands and thousands of payers in the U.S. So keeping an eye on the mail or encouraging them to use better are both good ways to keep tabs on where claims might be getting stuck. And oftentimes I'll hear, well, you don't want to fill out that W-9 because then that's going to, anything that that patient submits under that insurance company, the insurance company then sends you like a 1090. Do they send you a 1099? on that at the end of the year? And how does that work on your taxes? Because if they're sending you a 1099 and you've already counted that income within your taxes, then do you subtract it? Do you, I think things can get a little sticky, a little confusing. Yeah. So what they're using that for in the most case, right, is just to add you into their database. And In the most cases with out-of-network claims, although of course errors arise, the reimbursement, the money is actually going to the patient. So there shouldn't be a 1099 associated. However, if there's ever a mistake, so for example, an insurance company pays an out-of-network healthcare provider, and then that healthcare provider uh, passes that money back to the patient, these are all things that your accountant should very easily be able to take care of when putting your taxes together that shouldn't cause any additional headaches if you have some support, just making sure it's all properly documented. And on that note, we're going to take a quick 30-second break to hear from our sponsor, Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, strength trainers, and more. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. These savings are exclusive to Health IQ, and you must qualify to get the special rate. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash HWS. Now, out-of-network companies and out-of-network insurance companies are wanting pre-authorization for physical therapy care. I've had to do that a number of times. How does this affect payment back to the patient? Yeah, so it's really going to depend on the specifics of that patient's policy. And it's not always an insurance company-wide policy, but it could be the individual insurance plan that they have. Sometimes it's possible to do a retroactive pre-authorization if you find out about the requirement later. Or sometimes in the cases where it's missed, we've seen some plans that'll even allow just treatment notes and kind of more detailed information to be sent to kind of get through those requirements. So it's really going to depend on, you know, very specifically on that plan and what the needs are. Got it. But I think it's important to note for therapists who might be listening to this that out of network physic that out of network insurance companies are now requiring a little bit more legwork on the part of the therapist for those patients to get reimbursed. 
which didn't always used to, yeah that didn't always used to be the case you know which is why people decide to go out of network or cash based so you don't have to jump through all these hoops but that is changing yeah and it's changing very rapidly right we see these you know we see different requirements come up very quickly with very little notice so even a patient who's been on a similar or same plan for a very long time, there could be a change where all of a sudden claims stop going through and it needs more investigation. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as the therapist, if you're the treating therapist and you have a cash-based practice or out-of-network practice, you want your patients to get reimbursed. And so we want to do everything we can to make that happen. So just being aware of the changes of insurance companies and things like that can go a long way to the happiness of your client or your patient. Now, let's talk about uh, physical therapy, modifiers, diagnosis codes, conflicting codes. You kind of alluded to this when we were talking about what needs to be on a super bill. So could you explain that a little bit more? Absolutely. So modifiers are are one of the trickiest parts of this when coding a bill, and they're very important in physical therapy. And so, you know, what happens is um, the CMS will have guidelines on which CPT codes normally can't be billed together because, you know, it's usually because there's some type of overlap in what the codes mean. And so in physical therapy, 97140 for manual therapy techniques is one of these very common codes where there's quite a few that conflicts with it. And if both are included on a super bill, a modifier is needed if your records support that they were distinct and separate services and should be reimbursed uh, and both looked at by the insurance company. With that modifier, only one code is going to be reviewed and paid. And this can be kind of a lot to navigate through. Um, A lot of practice management systems will help you identify if you're using two CPT codes on the same appointment that conflict with each other and be able to give you recommendations on in what cases the use of a modifier is appropriate. Okay, so just to back up, without the modifier for certain codes, then only maybe one of those codes will get paid, but not the other. Exactly. Okay, and we can go onto the CMS website and find out what codes might conflict with each other? Yeah, so that's a little bit tricky to do the research, but they have a spreadsheet that you can download that shows all of what's called the edit pairs. So you can look through and see if codes that um, you're billing are conflicting. Got it. Okay, and that's really good to know because these are all things that can be be very frustrating to our patients. And if the patient's paying you their hard-earned cash... And we're telling them, hey, I'm going to give you this super bill. And if you turn it in, you can get reimbursed. The expectation is that they'll get reimbursed something. Now, how many times do people get reimbursed 100%? For the full cost of the The claim? full cost of the claim. (laughs) So we actually see that more than you would think, um, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, usually there is a deductible at play. The allowed amount, how the claim is actually priced is less than um, what was billed. 
and there's coinsurance where the patient is still responsible for a portion and the insurance will pay 50 to 80% of the cost that, that they allow for the care. But we do see people with really good benefits get 100% back in a reasonable number of cases. Okay. Well, that is definitely surprising. I thought the answer would have been it's, like, pretty it much is. no one. <laughs> pretty much no one. That's how many people. Um, okay. Let's talk about some basic tips for private practice in 2018. What are your best tips for us, the clinicians, to have this successful out-of-network or cash-based practice? That, that What's going to help our patients the most? Yeah, so I think the number one thing is having a process that works for you that allows you to check and verify your codes and keep up with coding changes. So, you know, one simple option is anytime you have questions, reach out to us. You can simply email hello at getbetter.co and we can, you know, answer your question, send you resources on coding so you can keep up as things are rapidly changing. Um, another option is using a practice management system as you're creating your super bills that's going to do some validation for you and make sure the ones that you're using are still accepted by insurance. Um, I think another great tip too is really being supportive of patients as they're using their benefits. It can be a difficult conversation, especially because it's not a place where you can, you know, give a lot of answers without contacting the insurance company, but helping them work through how to get resources, how to understand insurance basics. It's such a confusing landscape. Being supportive can go a long way. And, and, and confusing it is. Um, what else should we keep in mind? I think out-of-network enrollment is another really important one. Those letters from the insurance companies asking you to do something, asking you for more information, they can be cryptic in some cases. And it's really easy to have that sink to the bottom of the pile. If you ever have questions about what they might be meaning, um, do reach out to our team, get in touch with the insurance company, whatever's fastest for you. Um, but that could mean that someone who's owed money isn't getting it. And it's important to keep an eye on. Got it. And how about updating practice records, updating patient care records. I mean, obviously this seems like a no-brainer, but it's important. Absolutely. And, you know, there are some cases where to get reimbursement, the insurance company is going to want more information and the patient is going to want to do what it takes to make sure that they do get that money back. And it can be a much simpler process if you have all of that organized and ready to go so that it's easy to support them. Yeah. And that makes obvious, perfect sense. Now, how can patients sign up for better if they are interested and what can we do as practitioners to bring this to their attention? Yeah, so we have brochures that you can keep in your waiting room or hand to patients that have questions. We also have things that you can send them by email if that's ever easy. So you can reach out on our website and request brochures at getbetter.co or you can always shoot us an email at hello at getbetter.co and we're here to answer your questions, do whatever we can to help and get you those resources. Perfect. So this is just a way and it's free for the clinician, correct? Yeah, everything, all of the support we provide around enrollment, coding resources, all of that is free for clinicians. 
um, we are here as a free resource to help you get through this process. Got it. The confusing landscape of insurance companies, even when you're cash-based, even when you're like, I don't want to deal with insurance, so I'm not going to take insurance. You still have to deal with insurance if your patients intend to get some sort of reimbursement from the services that you provide. So that's where things get uh, to be very important and where you still have to be in the insurance loop, right? But we're here to make that as easy as possible. Any claims that come through us, we resolve a lot of errors that might take a healthcare provider's time. Make sure the insurance company, if they're actually asking, if they're asking for more information, it's something they actually need. A lot of records requests, a lot of these things that they'll send out letters about are simply errors in their system or something that they don't really need to process the claim. So we can save you an awful lot of time deciphering everything and only coming back to you when it's something that actually needs your attention and we'll make it as simple as possible anytime that happens. Yeah. So it kind of takes the frustration and angst and anger (laughs) out of your system. You know, sometimes you call the insurance companies. I can remember calling an insurance company. I live in New York city. So I would get out of the subway, call the insurance company, go back to my apartment, eat, take a shower Get out of the shower, get changed, and they still haven't, they've been on hold for that long. That is so common. The hold times can be crazy. Yeah, so having anything to make that less frustrating would be great. And then by the time you get on the phone, you're like angry and annoyed, and it's just, it's not a good scene. So anything that can make that a little bit easier, I think from everyone's standpoint, is uh, is a blessing. So before we wrap up, we wrap things up here, I always ask everyone the same question, and that is, if you were able to hop in a time machine and go back in time to when you first graduated uh, from college, what advice would you give to yourself? The advice that I would give to myself uh, would be that it is all going to come together. It was a really hard decision for me not to go to medical school and not to go down that career path and something that I worried about for many, many years. And it's only now, much, much later, working on better, helping people through this process, helping them access the care they need, where I've really seen how all of the experiences that I've had in my career so far are supporting each other and helping me do something that I really care about that's really meaningful work. And a lot of adults wiser than I gave me this advice when I was younger that it would it would all work out and it would all make sense at some point. And it was very hard for me to believe them, but it was really true. Yeah, and I think that's very sage advice for anyone at any point in their life. Now, what three, what are your top three things that you want people to take away from our talk today? I think the number one thing is that at Better, we understand how complicated this is and we are here to help. And please do, don't hesitate to reach out. We want to get everyone the money back that they're owed from their insurance. We know a lot of people never get through this process. We know that as a healthcare provider, it can be incredibly frustrating when you have so much to do taking care of your patients to try to figure these things out. Um, We're here to help. Uh, The second thing is 
Super bills are important and having all of the details on them really matters. It can save everyone a lot of headaches later because once something with incorrect or out of date or missing information goes to an insurance company, it is 10 times as hard to fix, if not more, than it was to give it a double check um, in the first place. And I think the third thing is if you find all of this complicated and confusing, you are not alone. So does everybody. Oh, that's, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Amen to that. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on to the podcast. And again, everyone, we will have all of these resources, direct links to the podcast, direct or direct links to better direct links to the blog posts that we talked about in today's episode. They'll all be in the show notes under this episode at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And Rachel, I thank you so much for giving us a little bit more insight into how to get our patients paid. Thank you. It was such a pleasure being here. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Okay, everybody, a huge thank you to Rachel Norman and the people at Better for coming on and talking all about what they do to make our lives a little easier. And of course, a huge thank you to Health IQ for sponsoring this episode. So again, if you want to save money on your life insurance just for doing things that keep you healthy, which is awesome, then definitely check out Health IQ. They can save customers up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. So if you want to see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash HWS. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.